It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Brianna and Caleb. Listen in as they discuss a psalm for the wild built and a prayer for the crown shy. Here we are, once again, me and Brianna returning to our little book club section. Little book club? Yeah, we, we only cover little books, like novellas, which is what we're here to talk about today. Two different novellas, and I will bring up later in the podcast as, as to whether you think that it should have just been a, a novel, the two parts together. You just brought it up now. Well, we'll discuss it more near the end, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, why'd you bring it up now? That's what I'm asking. I, I I don't believe I wrote it in my notes to bring that up, so it's just uh, putting it out there in case I forget. Um, okay. Let's see, yeah, talking about a psalm for the wild built and a prayer for the crown shy. Yeah, and again, two two pieces of work that Brianna brought to the table. Why'd you uh, want to talk about these ones? Um, because I read the first one and I liked it and I wanted you to read it. The only way to get you to read books with me is to do podcasts on it. Well, that's fair. But but what what attracted you what attracted you to the first one? And by the way, did you read it um knowing that they were going to put out this second half or did you read it uh long before this was put out? Um I read it approximately 1 year ago. Actually, I read it almost exactly 1 year ago. Oh. And I I just I'm I don't know why I read it in the first place. Same reason I read any other book. I think it sounds interesting and I liked it. Um, and I just, I thought it was a nice story and I thought it had, um, some interesting world building, even though it's like only a little bit of world building, but I thought it was interesting and I thought it was like a nice kind of happy story, mostly happy. And I just thought that it was a nice story and I thought it would be nice to read it together. And since the second one was coming out, I thought it made sense to put them together. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's interesting you say only a little bit of world building. I almost feel like, I mean, maybe it's because I read the two back to back. So did I. But I feel like um, most of it's world building and then some philosophizing in between. I felt like most of it was philosophizing with some world building in between. But I personally wish that there was more world building because I thought it was interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting, too. And I, I quite like the uh, the world. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe I can agree that there could be more to it there yeah because it is such a nice uh kind of like idea i thought it would be nice to get to to know more about it and more from you know not just from one character's perspective yeah and i did i did start to wonder if the pocket of humanity that we're looking at the people of uh panga mm-hmm. was that like the only people on that that moon 
Um, I was never quite sure if, if that was just this one culture. They said at the beginning that it only had one continent mm. and that it was kind of like split in half, 50% for humans and 50% for wildlife. So I think that that's kind of, mm. that area is just like everybody. Yeah, and this, this story, kind of a sci-fi story. Yeah, we focus on this character named Dex, who's uh, like a monk. There's a lot of religious stuff in this book, filled with religious stuff. But not like Christian religion. No, no, yeah, it's all its own kind of little made-up religion. I, I just say that because I don't know. Usually when people say religious stuff, that's automatically what you assume unless you say otherwise. Yeah, it's not necessarily what I, what I think, especially with sci-fi stuff. I was saying general you, not you specifically. Yeah, well, that's fair. Be yeah, a little sci-fi religions, they feel a little bit more in the vein of, I don't know, like the dharmas, that kind of thing, then, yeah, like a, mm -hmm. like an Abrahamic religion or anything like that. And Dex is a tea monk, or at least that's what they're becoming when we start this first book, A Psalm for the Wild Built. And I didn't know if we should discuss the two of them, like, distinctly separately, or kind of talk about them generally. I, I mean, I feel like we should talk about them one by one because that's just how the story progresses anyways like it's linear so yeah that's fair and also i took my notes uh like my notes are separated by books not that i took very many notes to be honest i didn't either yeah <laughs> i took some but yeah but yeah we we follow this character dex um they were monk before and they decided to kind of switch their uh as a vocation mm -hmm. and become a tea monk which is someone who kind of travels town to town and just kind of does service by giving people tea and kind of being a, a listening ear for people's troubles of the day or just someone to kind of share their, their day with, that kind of thing. Yeah, kind of like a therapist, but like less educated. Yeah. Less trained, I should say. Less trained and yeah, more of like a, yeah, just like a shoulder to lean on than coming to like a real... Like a listener. Yeah, listener. Yeah, and Dex... Uh, really takes to this vocation and, you know, is kind of a natural at it, uh, but starts to feel like it's not really giving them what they're uh, expecting. Mm -hmm. And so they go off into the wilderness, and yeah, like like we mentioned earlier, the kind of civilization split in two, and so half it's for the people and half it's for these robots. Well, half of it's for the wilderness in general, not just robots. Yeah, but it's like the robot's domain and people don't don't venture there well yeah but it's not the robot's domain it's just everything else's domain where the robots also happen to be it's not like the robots like control the other half of the world or anything like that yeah but didn't they kind of say that the people i guess it was more that the two things happened at once because the panga society is kind of the kind of a rebuilt society on an old world that was very similar to our world mm -hmm. and the people kind of corrupted it and nearly destroyed it and yeah i guess when they when the robots became self-aware went off on their own was around the same time that people kind of gave up their old ways and were maybe kind of leaving nature to itself so maybe it just kind of the two coincided yeah and they they talk a little bit about when the robots became self-aware and were just kind of casually like we don't want to we don't want to work for you or live in your society anymore so we're gonna leave and it seems like the humans were just basically like okay that's fine bye mm-hmm they even talk about them kind of uh, admiring the robots for uh, just kind of making their own way. Mm -hmm. And they say it's kind of a point of pride that people didn't try to, to hold them back. Mm -hmm. 
And again, there's a lot of philosophizing about all that kind of stuff and just kind of getting, maybe not world building in terms of, yeah, complete details of how everything works in society, but giving mm -hmm. a good insight into kind of the worldview that the, the Panga people have. Yeah. And how do you feel like that comes across? Like, how, how do you feel about uh, Dex as a character, sibling Dex? I like them. Um, I feel like even though the story was told from their perspective, I don't feel like we necessarily got to know them that well. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think because the story was told from their perspective is why we didn't get to know them that well. Like, whereas if, um, whereas if the story was told from, um, the robot's perspective, then... I feel like we would have a better understanding of, of Dex. And I, I do wonder if some of that's intentional, because it almost seems like Dex doesn't really know themselves all that well, well either. Yeah. And yeah, and sometimes I found the character yeah, kind of hard to get a, a grasp on because of that. Less so in the second book. Yeah, that's true. And I did find, uh, when we ultimately get to them kind of explaining why they, they decide to leave their, their tea service, even though they were so good at it, and I'm kind of being like, oh, even though I kind of achieved the, the goal I wanted to reach, even though I got there, it just didn't really solve anything for me or bring me the satisfaction that I wanted. Mm -hmm. I totally get that experience. I feel that often yeah. in my life. Well, that's a pretty human human problem, right? Yeah. So I could relate to them in that way. I think but... most people could. And I think uh, in some ways that's probably why the, the character of Dex felt like almost kind of like empty in a way so that the reader could insert themselves hmm. does that make sense yeah which is maybe a little bit of a, a flaw because that kind of element doesn't come near near the end of the book we don't really learn that about dex and so for a, a good while of it i was kind of at an arm's length with the character yeah that's fair um but i don't know like even the beginning when dex is just talking about how like they want to leave society because they just like they're hung up on this idea of hearing crickets mm. you know like to me um i thought that that would be relatable to you more so than me because you're someone who i don't know has always kind of been like oh yeah like i want to go and live in a cabin in the woods in nature and i'm like no you don't <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought the crickets thing was a really nice touch. Yeah, although I have to say that I don't think that they ever mentioned actually hearing crickets. Oh, when they were in the city? Mm-hmm. Or, or at any point. I don't think they ever heard them. Yeah, until like the last line. I thought it was a pretty last line. Yeah, I thought so too. But yeah, the decks, because they're from the city, and the tea service stuff, I guess, doesn't really... It kind of goes in a loop. And I couldn't tell if Dex was choosing to avoid the city area or if that was just their loop didn't take them there. Mm -hmm. But wherever they were, um, yeah, these, these crickets that Dex was always used to hearing is like almost kind of something that would ease them to sleep. They'd gone extinct in, in this area, so. Um, I think you misunderstood that because Dex said that they used to listen to a recording of crickets to go to sleep. Oh. There weren't any crickets anywhere in civilization. That's why they were trying. That's the whole reason that they were leaving, um, and trying to go out to that, like the the place out in like the wilderness, was because they were trying to find a place where crickets would be. Oh, but that's weird because 
I remember Dex was like asking people like, oh, or was looking around and didn't want to ask. And eventually was like, hey, why don't I hear these crickets? Yeah. And then someone told me that they're extinct. Because they just got to thinking about it. Like, I've never heard crickets in real life. I've only heard them on a recording. And they wondered if there were crickets anywhere. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I thought they... Because I remember they were also, like, going down a list of all the different cricket species, and they were all extinct. Yeah, exactly. And they were surprised. But but I just thought it was just in this, this strip that they were going along, this circle. No. The decks would go to the city, too, I believe. Because they were a tea monk for, like, two years, I think. Mm-hmm. Before they went off. Before they basically had their cricket uh, fiasco. Issue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I thought they were kind of avoiding it because they didn't really want to go and see their parents and... But their parents didn't live in the city. Oh. <laughs> oh, so that's where they went when they, uh... So I'm confused. They left their parents and they were doing their monk stuff in the city. And then after that, they the, left. The story started, yeah, they lived in the city as a different kind of monk. I, I don't remember exactly what their vocation was. And then they decided yeah. to uh, become a tea monk instead. But their parents lived in, like, a like a small village. Hmm. They're, they described their parents as living in one of, like, the satellite villages. So it was kind of like a like a medium-sized versus, like, super small area, but not the city. Because there's only one city, they said, in, mm. in on the whole planet, I guess you would say. Or I guess it was a moon, but I don't know if you'd still call that a planet if you live on it. Yeah, maybe I was confused because that kind of introduction piece, they were kind of wrapping up the choosing to leave the city, but choosing to leave the parents kind of thing. So maybe they're just kind of paralleling the two, mm-hmm. but but yeah, my I wasn't I'll say super duper drawn into that early half. I did like seeing the 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 T monk practice. I thought that was a cool concept. I thought it was quite nice. Yeah, and I liked seeing the the different interactions with the the various people that would come by the wagon and just kind of getting a feel for like what their society was like mm-hmm. and. Uh... Because it's, um, you know, I found that it was very, um, like, it felt like an olden day society in a way, but then it had, like, modern technology. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. But they didn't have any, like, robotic technology. Yeah, but... and I also, just kind of the, like, there's a, a very informal way that the book is written. I feel like it's almost, like, the lens of the author mm-hmm. coming through from this modern day, just in terms of the speaking and stuff like that. I feel like some of that was a little bit... It took me a little while to adjust to. I think that was... Because I think I'm just... On purpose, too, though. It's just kind of like an interesting um, way between, like, how the society seemed older in some ways because it didn't have its robotics and people were having to do a lot of things manually because of that. Mm-hmm. But there's still a modern society with modern language and modern technology and modern um, education and like knowledge. Yeah, I I just think maybe in this kind of setting in in the sci-fi world in general, I usually feel like it's more detached from from like our our time right now. Mm-hmm. Like I think there was a line where where um, Dex, at least the author, was saying like it had been a minute since they'd been laid last, and I was like, oh, that seems like such a a phrase from this time it seems weird to in this setting to hear it mm-hmm. so so i think that took some adjustment for me to just i think that was interesting yeah it, it definitely made it feel a little more unique yeah and i think um it helped it feel like um something that could be very relatable like like be able to picture like our society somehow turning into that because it it made it feel 
despite it being so different, it made it feel not that distant future. Yeah, that's fair. Well, and kind of similar on that note, I also found some of the uses of the word fuck a little distracting, which is strange for me to say, but... <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I do think that kind of stuff was on purpose, to, because, um, like, every... The story just seemed so, like, different, but I mm -hmm. think some of that stuff was put in to just, you know, kind of, like, put a reminder that the the people are still just normal people. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah, and maybe to make it easier to relate to a you know this a modern audience. Because it's it's so easy to just um, when you're reading these kind of books that are so re far removed from our society to to think like that they're just a totally different people like nothing like us, mm -hmm. and that's you know not necessarily the intent when you're writing those kind of things every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I also felt, um, I don't think I've ever read a book uh, where they used they-them pronouns throughout the whole book. Mm -hmm. I have, but you don't read a lot of modern books, so it makes sense that you haven't. No, yeah, I don't. <laughs> That's another thing that felt more modern in that way. Mm -hmm. And um, when Dex first um, met Mosscap, um, like one of the first things they asked them was whether or not they had a gender. Mm -hmm. Which I thought was nice. It just kind of shows, like, the society progress in that way where it's just, like, a normal question you would ask someone. Yeah, and I was going to say... Instead of saying, like, what are your pronouns, you just say, like, do you have a gender kind of thing. And not automatically, not saying what is your gender, but do you have one? Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's especially a good question to ask a robot, but it's kind of an interesting way to have the robot and the human relate more as well and see that they... Are similar yeah and I, I really enjoyed all the different ways they would kind of bounce off each other with that kind of similar equation mm -hmm. but I will say um yeah because like I said I wasn't super duper drawn in that first before the the meeting between Mosscap and, and Dex I was enjoying it enough but I wasn't it was I didn't necessarily feel like it was a page turner you know mm -hmm. but you meet uh, Mosscap fairly quickly yeah yeah, and, and then I, I quite enjoy the, the rest of it after that. I find Moss Cap, especially for being me, mm -hmm. I find that character a lot more uh, a lot more grabbing my attention. Yeah, because it has like so much childlike wonder mm -hmm. towards society. And, and that's kind of nice because that's also in a way kind of like could be seen as like an insert for the reader because we don't know anything about that society either. And it asks like all the questions that we would ask. But then it also asks a lot of questions that we wouldn't ask because we're humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it, it is funny what it, how much it turns into kind of a just conversational book from that mm -hmm. point on. Like it's constantly them tossing ideas back and forth to, to each other. And and yeah, that's basically the rest of the, the book from that first one. It's them just kind of joining each other's travels. And I think in that first one, had they already decided that they were going to keep traveling together, or was it just to kind of go to that um, that hermitage, that kind of ruin of a, a previous temple that well, Dex is trying to get to? Dex was going there uh, because they wanted to, you know, find the crickets and kind of just find themselves in a way. Yeah. And um, Moss Cap, when it found out that Dex was doing that, was like, oh, but it's like really dangerous, like. Mm -hmm. for for humans to go out in the wilderness like that like the roads aren't 
kept up and you know so it decided to go with them because uh for like safety because it was like concerned about their safety yeah yeah and i guess they also at that at that point were gonna have like a little kind of exchange of information you help me manage this terrain and i'll kind of give you some tips about how to yeah travel through the the panga villages because Mosscap was coming the reason that Mosscap was coming to panga or to their society um was because the robot sent it with a question like are humans happy or not i guess they were mostly just like curious how they were how they were getting along without the robots there because mm-hmm. the, they didn't know anything about what they'd done with their society since the robots left which was generations ago i'm not sure did they say how long ago uh, i was i was never sure but definitely many generations ago yeah yeah and i thought the the robot civilization i thought that was a lot more fleshed out maybe just because they're kind of explaining it to dex and so we had a lot more time to dig into that stuff but i thought a lot of that stuff was cool how the, the robots went their own way and just I enjoy the way that they name themselves. Just the first thing that ever really caught their attention is what gives them their name. Mm-hmm. That is very cute. I like the one that was named like two foxes. <laughs> yeah, there's lots of cute little things like that. Yeah, and how they would talk about how like some of the robots would just go and you know sit and look at something for twenty years. Mm-hmm. Just hang out in a, a cave and watch the like mites uh, grow. Because they don't have they don't have any needs like. The, like bodily function type needs like eating or sleeping or you know mm-hmm. so they can just do that yeah i was definitely feeling jealous of their uh their ability to do that because i would love to mm-hmm. i always joke with you about when i get old and retire i like spend time just like studying trees or things like that things i would never do in my uh real time but would love to do but <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so i relate to the i enjoyed the robot stuff a lot and just uh thinking about them out there in the wilderness and i love that moss cap would just get distracted by random things yeah like oh i never noticed this treetop before and we just stared at it for ages and next to be getting bored and <laughs> mm-hmm. and i really liked how um like they both had so much different misconceptions about each other like mm. um you know moss cap didn't know like very much about humans at all like didn't know that how they experience things or anything really and uh and dex like you know like when dex first met Mosscap, they assumed that they were you know like how we picture like ai's like super super computer brain kind of things mm-hmm. but then it turned out that Mosscap was more you know like his brain or it's uh i don't know if you would say brain function but like its brain function was like basically the same as a human's like not like it was like more intelligent or could like process things better or anything really yeah i like the touch that moss cap is not great with math yeah oh that was a fun uh yeah change than what you normally see Mm-hmm. yeah and i i yeah i thought their dynamic worked quite well with with them kind of traveling to that that hermitage together and i think it works a lot more in the uh the second book mm-hmm. yeah for, for that first book um i don't know if i have too much too much to say about their, their kind of journey together um i think a lot of the detail work is is well done and i really like the uh, the images that it kind of paints of the ruined hermitage and um how they use like the symbolism of the the various gods how it's represented in that that place i thought that was mm-hmm. cool too 
And did you think it was interesting that the robots and the humans have the same gods? Yeah, I did think that was interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I couldn't tell necessarily if the robots, that's just something that it was passed down that they, like, know about and kind of study from a distance. Mm-hmm. Or if it's something that is kind of built into their programming. And it's just how they accept the world, too. But from from what Moscab said, like, the robots were all different kinds of robots like it's not like it was just like a specific kind of like ai that became aware it was like everything became aware like yeah you know like like factory machines like you know manufacturing machines and like farming robots and like Mm -hmm. things that there'd be no reason to program because they weren't programmed with intelligence necessarily not that kind of intelligence yeah Oh, there's those guinea pigs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, th- that's fair. So, yeah, it, it is interesting because, yeah, it probably is something that was just passed down in a way. And it's also interesting, what did you think about how the robots, like, made the decision to, um, like, create new versions of themselves when they broke down rather than fixing themselves? Yeah, I thought that was a, I thought that was a cool thing, and yeah, it kind of fits into there, because they have kind of a, this distanced element to themselves, where they feel like they're outside of nature, but still respected and kind of see the beauty mm-hmm. of the system. So I like that they wanted to replicate that within themselves, mm-hmm. giving that kind of but passing down progeny. And I thought it was interesting how you know, um, Dex and Moscap were kind of talking about that, and Dex said that. It was different because Moscap, uh, like, made the choice to die, and humans didn't. But, you know, Moscap brought up that it wasn't its choice. It was the original robot's choice. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same thing. Yeah, and I really like that that comes back in the second book, and that's like a big element of it. It's mm-hmm. just choosing to be repaired mm-hmm. and what that what that would mean if you replaced it with, um, replaced your new parts with semi-organic parts. I thought they did a lot of stuff with that there. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, I thought that was nice too. I thought it was interesting how they brought up like, um, like fillings and stuff like that as examples. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, a very philosophical book. They take, yeah, just a simple quandary like that and just keep going with it for page after page. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's actually, this might be a reference that you might not get, but for, since I recently watched the Before Trilogy by Richard Linklater, those movies as well, it's just like people traveling, walking around together, and just going off on conversation after conversation. Mm-hmm. And these books were, were making me think of that kind of vibe, a story where there isn't really a ton of plot necessarily, the plot's just kind of a vehicle to move along these conversations. Mm-hmm. And I thought that worked quite well. And what did you what did you think about, you know, um, Dex and Mosscap's kind of like, um, kind of like the end of the first book when Dex was really upset and Mosscap kind of like helped them feel better and said that like you know they didn't have to have a purpose because robots don't have purpose blah blah blah, and mm-hmm. and I liked it when Mosscap made Dex tea as well. Yeah, that was my favorite part of that that first book. It's mm-hmm. just kind of... Because, yeah, the reason that Dex wanted to uh, get into the tea service is because I guess they didn't feel like they had as much meaning 
in their previous vocation, and they always kind of latched onto this, that element of the tea monks and what they would give to people, and yeah, and looked for that as their purpose, but then still felt like they were aimless in some way and not getting what they needed. Mm -hmm. So I really liked that, yeah, Mosscap turned around and kind of played that role for them again. And I thought, um, not as much the second time I read it, but I think the first time I read it, like, it really spoke to me when they were talking about, um, like, not needing to have, like, a specific purpose to be, like, you know, like, a worthy person. Mm-hmm. Like, because I feel like most people do feel like, you know, people are always searching for purpose, right? Yeah. That's definitely a very universal issue. And I, th I just thought it was nice how Mosscap kind of just turned it around on Dex and was like, you, like, admire the robots for choosing not to have a purpose. Mm -hmm. But but you expect it of yourself kind of thing. Yeah, and I think they follow up that element really good in the second one mm -hmm. when they start to focus on what exactly the meaning behind the robots kind of search for was in the first place. Because mm -hmm. the whole thing with uh, the robots choosing to go investigate was just trying to... The question that um, Mosscap always asks is, what do people need? Like, what, what are they missing in their life? And I like how they kind of mirror the fact that the T-Monk's purpose is to kind of... Well, is it is it a purpose to kind of tell people that you don't have to worry about having a purpose? Or is it kind of mirror that there, but I wasn't... But entirely... that's not really their purpose. Their yeah. purpose is to, you know, offer people, like, like just, like, peace and relaxation. Mm-hmm. And, like, kind of, like, grace to to settle down and not not feel they have to do anything in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, to, like, just be... Which is really valuable. It's not something that we really have an equivalent to in our society. Yeah. Yeah, and so I did think some of the, the tying up the, the purposing into it, I felt like it was, like, almost vaguely not quite what I was thinking of what the T-Monk's role was, but, mm -hmm. but it did work emotionally speaking. Yeah. But, but yeah, no, I thought the T-Monk's thing would be just awesome to have around. Yeah, it's... And just the way... You know, that Dex would kind of tell people, like, you you can take as long as you need, like, everyone will understand, your work will wait for you type of thing. Like, that's definitely something that we don't have now, to be able to be like, I'm feeling overwhelmed right now, I need to stop what I'm doing and just go sit and drink some tea and calm down. Like, people would look down on you for doing that. Yeah. It's definitely something that would be valuable to have in, in our society, for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's such a small thing, but kind of makes such a big difference right yeah to just be given that grace to say it's okay to 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 stop sometimes yeah no i think in having that kind of almost like semi-therapist element someone who's just you know happy to sit there and listen to what you have to say mm -hmm. i think that'd be helpful too and just all the specialized tea sounds great there's a lot of tea descriptions that i was like oh man i wish i could be drinking some tea right now but it's been too hot lately i know <laughs> Um, and one other thing that I thought about that first book was, um, I really like the way that Moss Cap just really, um, emphasized that he, humans are just animals like you always do, you know, saying mm -hmm. like, you know, no animals have a purpose. Why would you? Yeah. And I thought, I thought that you would like that because you're always saying that kind of thing too. Oh yeah. No, I definitely related to Moss Cap's point of view a lot in both mm -hmm. books. 
and and yet you still do have a lot of those issues with feeling like you do need to like have a purpose or feel a sense of accomplishment yeah no i definitely do yeah that's a i think a lot about those kind of things did you feel like you know like reading those things that it could apply to you yeah i did and i also felt like what what dex does where it's like Mm -hmm. like you almost feel guilty for feeling that way because it's like uh at least for me like i know that that's not and i guess dex feels the same way yeah that they that's even their message that they tell kind of people yeah you don't have to worry about living up to some sort of weird standard but then it's just the thing that you latch onto and you feel like you do need to do it anyway yeah so yeah i definitely feel that do you think that that's that's something that you would take into your life and make you think differently at all or not really Mm. it definitely made me think about it but it also just made me solidify even more that it's like i feel like that's something i can't break but maybe and it also made me think with dex too Mm because again they kind of accomplish the goal that they were like the i think it's either the second chapter or something it's called the best tea monk in panga mm-hmm. like they achieved that goal and it still wasn't didn't give them any sort of satisfaction so i think about that a lot But that's kind of the point yeah that's kind of the point is that like you keep you can keep making like these different like goals and things for yourself and that's obviously okay to do but it's also like important to recognize that like nobody ever really reaches a point where they're like i did everything i wanted to do i'm satisfied now like Mm -hmm. nobody reaches that point people always have that like sense of like feeling like they need to do more or be more yeah the goalposts always shift yeah and it's i feel like it kind of gives you kind of just reminds you i guess that it's something you just have to accept because Mm -hmm. no matter how much you push yourself like it's always going to be there no matter how well you do yeah yeah and i guess and that's kind of the fun with with the the two books too is they don't really they don't really give an answer to to Mm -hmm. what to do about that it's just kind of and i think that's the right choice yeah it just kind of you know gives leaves it open to interpretation i guess you could say yeah and it's just a a lot of the conversations are kind of open-ended and it's just Mm -hmm. kind of raising the questions for you yeah yeah and yeah, I, yeah, and I don't think I have much, too much more to say about that first book. I, I did quite like it. Yeah, I thought it was very good, especially I really liked the end, and yeah. I just I thought it was so sweet how Mosscap made the tea for for Dex, and they <laughs> they drank it even though they didn't like it at all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was kind of gross. Yeah, I, th- I thought that was really sweet. When Mosscap was getting so anxious about the tea being bad, and they said that it was the best tea they'd had in a long time, <laughs> I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, and, and we discussed a little bit about how the Dex character, like, almost had kind of a, yeah, like a blank element to the character. But I feel like Mosscap um, felt defined, like, almost right away. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of pop to that character. Yeah, I agree. Very um, exuberant. Yeah. And that's because of, well, like, kind of like a childlike wonder, like, like I said earlier. But also because it didn't have like these like social things built into it to act certain ways mm-hmm. because robots wouldn't right yeah and i do think that some of those issues with the dex character which is not too many too much of an issue i didn't like i wasn't like turned off by the character or, or anything like that no no i wouldn't say it was even an issue per se it's just yeah. that they weren't a super okay they weren't a character that we got to know on a super deep level and that's okay yeah I do feel like some of that is is smoothed out more in the the second book, mm-hmm. or in the second novella. 
which um, yeah, I guess I'll bring up now. Because mm-hmm. I do feel like that first book had a really solid ending, and it does feel like a, a good place to stop. Yeah. But I feel like with the second book, it almost feels, once I start reading it, it almost feels like, well, these, these feel so a piece to each other. It almost feels like it should have been a novel, maybe. I'm not sure, but... They feel so what to each other? Uh, of a piece together. Mm. Like, it feels like just... Like it's a direct continuation? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It feels like you'd get to that part and it would say, like, book two or something like that, or have a new heading, and then you'd jump into the next. But what does it matter? Uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's I was just thinking, because that, that's one of the reasons I asked, but when you read it, I was just thinking if I had to wait a whole, you know, whenever the book came out, until the next one comes out, it might feel a little weird than just sitting down to read them all. I don't know. I mean, think about how the second one was left very open-ended as well at the very end, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, like, I think the first the first book stands on its own. Well, that's fair. That's fair. They definitely have a different focus to the two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and what do you think about yeah the elements of that one, which is much more... Because at the end of the first book, Dex decides, okay, well, you kind of helped me along here. Um, I don't want to go back to being a tea monk. I'm just going to help you accomplish your journey, your mission. Yeah, I like that. Um, the the second book was definitely a lot faster moving. Yeah, and a little shorter. And we got to learn a lot about um, the actual society that, that Dex is from and some of the different places. And I thought it was really cool to um, see Mosscap, like, experiencing that, like, taking the pictures and downloading all the different books to read. And, like, um, when they when they explained money to Mosscap or their form of currency, <laughs> I thought that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And I thought their form of currency was interesting, too. Yeah. How it's, like, like, you can go into the negative, but it doesn't matter if you go into the negative. Like, so in a way, it's like you have unlimited money. Yeah, like if someone goes to the negative, it's more like, oh, we need to come and check on that person. Like, maybe something's wrong. Yeah. It's not like, yeah, it's not like they're living on the street or something like that. Yeah, like, because you can you can still spend into the negative and nothing bad will happen. You won't be penalized. Yeah. And, like, like people give each other money for just whatever, you know? Like, oh, like, you helped, you helped an old lady cross the street. Here's some money, you know? Yeah, it's more like uh, points. Like, oh, you, yeah. you add to this, you add to the community, you get a point for it. Yeah, and then you can spend your points to get things you need. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a much better way. And I thought it was interesting how, like, uh, when Mosscap first asked about it, like, Dex was, like, like, really, like, oh, no, it's not, like, you know, like, the old kind of money. Yeah, and I also liked the, uh, the uncomfortable, uncomfortable element to Dex about um Moscap performing all these kind of assistance because mm-hmm. when he first or when it first comes to the the town i should say a uh, Moscap asks and the people the only thing they can think to ask is like oh i need help with my door or i need help with yeah like washing vegetables because they don't fully i don't think they fully grasp the, the question that he's at or that it's asking i don't think it fully grasps the question either yeah, and that's kind of the yeah almost point of the. Book. I mean, the 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 whole the whole problem was that it was not a real not a good question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're they're robots. They don't fully to them it was like a completely logical question. But then yeah, yeah, and I do like the the wider vision that we get of the the robots in this one too. Like when they talk about the 
like the council meeting that they all had mm -hmm. and that moss cap just or was maybe i'm getting confused that was in the first book actually yeah and moss cap just kind of took it on a whim not really grasping how much of a change it was going to be mm -hmm. and i really like that scene uh you know when they're talking about re replacing that one part and moss cap talks about how they don't want to change themselves too much because they're already their minds are already changing so much they don't actually change themselves physically Mm -hmm. This might be hard to go back. Yeah, um, I can definitely understand that. I feel like it would be really hard to go back into the robot society because it seemed like Moscow was taking so well to the human society. Yeah, and I was going to say, uh, near the end of this, I was going to say at least, um, I feel like since at the end of this book, the Moscow has already kind of finished the journey that they wanted to do with the humans. Mm -hmm. Maybe they finished it prematurely, but... But maybe the the third one, if they continue, it might be interesting if they return to the robot world into the wilds. I'm not sure there's gonna be a third one. It didn't look like it, at least. I don't know. It seemed like they were setting it up for for at least one more. I meant like on on the Goodreads page, like there wasn't like one in production. Hmm. Well, didn't this new one just come out? Yeah, but um, you can see on Goodreads like authors can upload their books like years before they're actually written hmm when did this when did this first one come out by the way do you do you know off about there? a year ago both oh, both okay. of them were written during covid i know because it said that in like the afterword of the book hmm. oh, okay so yeah if maybe if the third one was coming it would probably be coming relatively soon then well the second one just came out like this month yeah but if it's uh if it's like a year yearly yeah, thing yeah, yeah. then yeah we'd at least know but but either way, it, it seemed to me that that would be a, a, a natural way to continue the story. Is the robot going back? Yeah, and taking Dex with them. I feel like it wouldn't make sense for Dex to go with, with it, though. I don't know, I could see, because... How, how would Dex, like, be able to survive or be independent? Like, the it's not built for humans out there. That's fair, that's fair. Like, there's not necessarily food or water, they probably couldn't bring Dex's car, you know? <laughs> yeah, just... I mean, we already already saw what a disaster it was when uh, they were trying to climb that little climb to that hermitage. Just exactly. Jacked up. Exactly. Yeah, but I thought a lot of the uh, a lot of the conversational bits worked quite well in that second one. I liked all the stuff with the uh, the family mm -hmm. bringing Moscap to meet Dex's family. It was so cute when Moscap like was like really dismayed when uh, it found out that babies don't remember like the first few years of their lives so the little baby wouldn't remember it mm-hmm yeah I took the picture i thought that was a cute cute moment as well mm-hmm and i did feel I, I felt throughout the book like some of the scenes or sequences kind of ended a little quicker than i would have maybe expected yeah um and i thought the scene with the dad was a was a good one but i was surprised that it just they dropped the whole family bit right after that yeah i was like oh okay I, I thought it was an interesting choice that they never actually made it to the city. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess it makes sense, because they didn't want to kind of end their travels together. And they both got to this point where they were just overwhelmed and kind of went off. And uh, Oh, but we didn't talk about um, the that that one part of the society that's, like, super anti-technology that, like, didn't want Moscap to come or anything. What do you think about that? Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to get to that bit, too. Yeah, no, I, I really like that bit. Yeah. Um, especially the the random, the one person from the place who decided to come in and greet them. And take them fishing. Yeah. And I liked how, like, he was clearly still an open-minded person, but very much a part of that community. 
Mm-hmm. I was kind of apologetic for it, but wasn't like ashamed of what the community was, which I thought yeah. was nice. And I liked how Dex and the guy kind of had like kind of uh, polite differences in their beliefs and, you know. Mm-hmm. But they just talked about them like very amicably. Yeah. Yeah, and then there was that uncomfortable moment where Dex catches a fish, mm. and then Moscap is all interested, but, you know, kind of off-put by the... Like, horrified, almost. Yeah. And then even the... whatever that... I can't remember, was it the, the coast people? Yeah. Yeah, even he... they all kind of share in the, the death together and kind of recognize it differently, mm-hmm. having this outside perspective... So I yeah I thought that that was all handled really well, and I liked how um I liked the idea that the the coast people had kind of that that thing that Amish people have where they except with Amish people I think it's only like once in their life but these these other people are supposed to like once a year just go check out the other towns yeah go like spend some time in all the different communities and see how other people live but none of them do it anymore yeah except <laughs> but for that's him. okay you know they don't have to yeah. Yeah, no, I thought that was I thought that was handled really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I also liked um that weird lady, the the like the old lady who like enjoyed the boating. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was fun. And the decks little touch of romance element. I thought that was okay. I didn't necessarily Just to remind us that they're human. Yeah. You know? That they're not this kind of like asexual like entity just like walking around being with the robot like you know just reminded that they're just like a normal sexual like young human you know mm-hmm. yeah and yeah i'm not sure if i have much more for hmm, i'm trying to think for just individual kind of meeting scenes like that was there was there any other other people were forgetting i don't think so yeah but i liked all those exchanges and it, and it made sense that they never made it to the city because um by that point uh moss cap himself didn't really know what he could ask them anymore it's, it's like his whole basis for the mission just kind of proved faulty to him mm-hmm. so I, I thought that was a cool thing they just spent it together and it seemed like it was a few days they were just kind of like hanging out yeah just tucked away from society but then we don't know what happened afterwards maybe they went on to the city maybe they didn't yeah but at least they established like no matter what they did that it seemed like they were gonna try to stay together for at least at least a while longer. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was a nice. And playing in the phosphorescence at the end. Pardon? In the end, when they were playing in the water in the phosphorescence. Uh, oh, I don't even know if I remember that. Jeez. That was literally the ending of the book. Yeah, maybe I missed like the last line or something. I just didn't. I forgot what it was. I mean, they didn't specifically say it was phosphorescence. It's just what it was. Oh. Maybe you don't know about phosphorescence. No, I, I might have just the last. I, I think I had to. I think I had to take a break, like maybe like four pages from the end, and then came back to it shortly before we started and quickly finished that bit. So maybe I just, <laughs> maybe I just missed that. That's why they were in the water in the first place. Oh, I thought I thought Dex just wanted to go for a swim, but yeah, maybe I missed missed, missed a little bit. I took my little break. Yeah, I thought that was a nice ending. Yeah, yeah. Either way, I thought it was a nice nice way to end. At least knowing that the two of them were gonna were keep gonna keep going, mm-hmm. and that's kind of why I thought maybe it would lead into a third one. But would you? Do you feel like there would be more story that you'd want to see? Would Would you be? I'd be happy to see more story, but I'm also happy with the ending that was given. Hmm. 
But that's how I felt about the first book, too. I would have been fine if it ended where it ended in the first book. I still thought that was a beautiful ending. Yeah. yeah and I kept thinking when I was reading it, um, I could see this working really well, either in, like, an animated form or a comic. Mm -hmm. Animated, I think, would be nice. Yeah, I'm not a big comic person. Yeah, I feel like the story would translate well in that medium. But, yeah, animation, too. So, so it, could, it could be cool if it could continue in that kind of vein, either just you know, doing another version of it, something like mm -hmm. that. I'm interested, um, I've never read any books by that author. I know she has some popular, uh, popular sci-fi series that are also kind of, um, not the same kind of book necessarily, but in the same kind of vein of, like, um, I think they call it, like, hopeful sci-fi. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard of Becky Chambers before. I'll quickly see if I like. I know, I know. She has this book called "The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet," which apparently is fairly, fairly well known. Hmm. Oh yeah, I don't think I've heard of any of these these stories. I'm just looking through her yeah, bibliography right now. Mm -hmm. hmm. Well, either way, I'm I'm definitely positive on these two. At least I'd be curious to check out some more of her work. Yeah. Well, I'll probably read that one, so I'll let you know how it is. It's it's a series. Do we have any other f final uh, thoughts on this book itself? Um, I think that we said everything there was to say about the, the book itself. Sure. I thought that it was a beautiful and touching story about the search for meaning. And also, it was interesting to think about a future where humans could be happy and mostly fulfilled and not really have any real conflict. And nice to hope something like that could actually happen. Yep. Definitely agree there. Yeah, it definitely reached back to that kind of, um, yeah, just pleasant sci-fi. Mm -hmm. I feel like so much of the stuff that you can that I consume now in terms of sci-fi is just like, it's just kind of ugly. Yeah. And yeah, it's nice to see something pretty. I I think it might it may be one of the first books I ever read in my life that distract that described a utopian society that didn't do some kind of like plot twist it's actually dystopian <laughs> you know we'll just wait till the third book oh, no. <laughs> she wouldn't do that to me <laughs> but yeah no I, I really yeah i definitely enjoyed them um and so yeah i would recommend uh, but i, I do yeah. just have to say and they're very fast easy reads too so yeah super super easy reads and it's interesting that they don't feel like what I normally think of as young adult books, but I feel like they're written in a way that would speak to that audience still. I don't think that they are considered young adult. I don't think like they're published or like marketed that way. No, I, I, I yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not sure in general because I don't really pay attention to those kind of things, but I just feel like the, the writing style feels like it would speak to that kind of audience. Like um, it doesn't feel, because I feel like a lot... Not to be rude to young people, but I feel like they would find it boring. They could do. I mean, maybe all the philosophers. I mean, there's not a lot of action. There's not. It's not very plot heavy at all. Yeah. And um, there's um, no romance really. You know, Carson. I actually made Carson like it, and she only rated it three stars. Like for <laughs> me, it's like a five star book. So. And, you know, who knows what she would have really rated it. I feel like any book that I recommend to her, she's not going to rate below three stars because she doesn't want to be rude. <laughs> yeah, and to be fair, the majority of the sci-fi books that I read 
don't have any sort of romance and were written probably 30 years ago. And so in terms of writing style, I just mean in terms of the prose, like it feels inviting oh, well, to a younger audience. Most most modern books are actually written that way, believe it or not. That's what I keep trying to tell you when I read your stuff. Yeah. Like adult books are written that way now for the most part. Yeah, and, and maybe that's just a style clash because I do feel like, like I read this book and I know it was written within the past like five years. You can just tell from the the vernacular the way that the character kind of thinks and speaks and so in that way it feels like it would date weirdly mm. there's nothing wrong with that but in my my opinion i prefer a, a kind of style that feels like it's ageless did you think of dex as like more feminine or masculine i'm that's probably like a, a problematic question but like obviously like you would like picture them looking a certain way right so i was just wondering mm. A mix of both, but maybe leaning slightly feminine, maybe. But I didn't, I didn't really think about it too much. Like I was more thinking, like, cause, like, you know, you always like, at least for me, like, when I'm talking about them, I'm always gonna like accidentally use the wrong pronouns in my mind, and I would always go to he. Hmm. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think there was enough detail. I pictured them with short hair, mm-hmm. and that was about it, and maybe short. I thought <laughs> that maybe you would picture them. Uh, more feminine since you partially ris- listened to the audiobook, which was read by a woman. Yeah, I mean, I I did a mix of both, and I much preferred the reading experience. I found the listening experience. Um, the author or the narrator did much better in the second book. Oh, the, is it the same one? Yeah, same one. Mm. Although she dramatically changed her voice for uh, Mosscap, <laughs> which I found jarring. <laughs> a lot of her work I found jarring. <laughs> But, but no, I it didn't affect that kind of thing. Doesn't really tend to affect my my reading of the act because I more listen to what the the words are. Yeah, that's are. fair. That's fair. But um, yeah, I was just curious because when we were talking about the fishing village, you were talking. I was pretty sure the person that went and greeted them from that from that coastal village was a woman. Mm. But you kept calling them a man, and it made me question too, like if it actually said their gender or not. Oh, I thought I thought there was. I, oh, maybe it was. Maybe it was a woman. I thought they said it was a man. I I thought it was a woman, but now if you thought it was a man, maybe they just didn't mention the gender at all, and we both just pictured someone. Could be. Could be. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, but definitely in the audiobook version, I, I think I mentioned to you like some of the they them got vaguely mixed up a little bit for me. It just mm-hmm. didn't play quite right. It played much better on the the page. Yeah, it's it's easy on the page. I can understand why it would be confusing in audiobook. And um, there's a choice that the author made that I I can agree with in a way because I I feel like fuck conventions. Mm-hmm. But to use the word themselves, which they use very frequently throughout the book. Instead of what? Themselves. Oh. Like themselves is not technically grammatically correct in this day and age but like it's an alternative to their self or no what am i to trying themselves. to say like like they would say like um dex would think of themselves like and it's an alternative to like herself or himself is what i was trying to say yeah because you wouldn't say herself yeah but but the term even in terms of singular themselves is the more grammatically correct one now yeah no I get what you mean, yeah. And so that choice on the page, I, I can definitely... I didn't even notice. I tend to be like, fuck conventions, because conventions change. And so you shouldn't really 
be too worried about sticking to them. Mm-hmm. But in terms of hearing someone reading wow, it. Wow, you say that, but then you're like, words should never change meanings. No, I just do that mainly as a joke for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you be, I never knew it was a joke. You always get, We have like actual arguments about it. Yeah, I just like to fuck around. But um, but hearing you make me someone... have like an actual debate with you, but so that you don't believe. <laughs> well, of course, it always changes. Uh, like, now, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> but now, mind you, um, when you hear someone repeatedly saying the word themselves over and over again in an audiobook, in terms of the being grammatically incorrect, it does become more jarring in that regard, though. Yeah, I will say. But on the page, it it reads fine. I didn't even notice, like I said. Yeah. But anyway, that's that was the only other point that I had on that that bit and in general. So, so definitely enjoyed it. I very much appreciate the uh, the bringing this one out. Um, yeah. I think I enjoyed it slightly more than the the previous book we did. Really? Which I also enjoyed. The how high we go in the dark. Yeah. I'm sure good at choosing books for our podcast, aren't I? I bet everyone listens to your podcast and they're like, "Wow, I wish Brianna would recommend me books." Well, guess what? You can follow me on Goodreads. Oh, there you go. This is the, uh, what do they call it? The shilling? Or not not shilling. <laughs> yeah, except I don't know my Goodreads username. Add me on Facebook and then, like, find me on Goodreads through that. <laughs> or you can check the description. We'll have a link to the Goodreads uh, page. Ooh, smart. Uh, go. Nobody's going to follow me. Yeah, you never know. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, there you go. That's, that's all I got for this one. Me too. And peace. I'd be curious to check out some more of her work. I was going to say, I probably won't get around to it, though. But <laughs> but maybe one day. Why not? Well, no. I, I haven't really talked about this too much, but I I made, like, a giant list of books. I, I looked up, like, the 100 best sci-fi books or 100 best books in the past 100 years. And so that's one of the reasons I don't actually read a lot of current books is because I'm constantly chipping away at that list. And see, I get that, but at the same time... Do you ever think maybe you're doing yourself a disservice by missing out on so much? Because, like, for example, these these two books were just, like, wonderful, lovely books, but they would never make it on a list like that. Yeah. You know? Like, you're missing out on so many, like, beautiful and interesting stories that would never be deemed, like, you know, worthy of being on those kind of lists. Yeah, and, and those are more introduction pieces to find authors, like... Because I like like I do with filmmakers. If I like an author, 
I'll just start going through the line of their books, like not but just. But even even with authors, there's so many um, authors who write wonderful books, but are not seen as like prestigious enough to get onto those kind of lists. That's fair. That's fair. It just feels like if if that's how you find your books and that's how you find your authors, you're missing out on a huge amount of fantastic, uh, fantastic art. You know that you'll never see because. Um, you're almost going about it in a slightly pretentious way, and so you don't you don't see the smaller things. Yeah, and I will say um, I do deviate from my list a lot, but I also feel like there's so many great books that I would I would hate to miss out on. But there's you know? so many great books that aren't considered great. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Like uh, the genie and the golem. Exactly. Go. Or the golem and the genie. I always get them reversed. But but it is a it is definitely an issue for me just going through. Like, I'll get hung up going through all the books from one author, or, yeah, things like that that just take a long, take a, it's a big mm -hmm. time commitment, so I'm not jumping around and experiencing a lot of newer stuff. It's, I think that you should try to read just more random books like I do. And, you know, the way that I find books is I, uh, I use, like, Goodreads and Storygraph, like, book social media, and I follow people who have similar genre interests to me and I read their reviews and I and like if they say oh this book is really good then I look at the synopsis and I say oh that sounds interesting and then I read it and I think that's a better way to find like a more well-rounded kind of books you know yeah and I did used to do that more back when I used to read more in general like especially uh, in my early days of working my my job when I used to listen to probably like one audiobook Maybe every two weeks, I'd be constantly going through different books. Mm -hmm. I used to just, yeah, look up like on Goodreads or something like that. Like, what's the like? Top I didn't know rate. you ever even used Goodreads. Oh, you just looked up the top-rated books in the genre. Well, that's gonna yeah. do the same thing you're already doing. That's not how you do it. <laughs> well, it's just looking for for new things to check out. Usually sci-fi or horror. Yeah. But I can I can give you tons of um, recommendations from any genre that will be like totally random books. Yeah, and like like I said, I used to yeah go through a lot of more random books, but now that my reading has to be more selective, because I don't do as much of it, now it's more kind of committing to trying to go through those lists. Like right now, I'm reading a book that's a psychological supernatural horror that takes place in a Japanese internment camp in World War Two. Wouldn't that be interesting? Sounds like it could be uh, unpleasant. But also interesting. <laughs> uh, you, horror is always unpleasant. <laughs> Hey, what about horror um, when it's more pleasant? I don't know. <laughs> what? Uh, well, I did just read The Langoliers, which is considered horror, but I, I thought it was just fun. It's inspired by um, Japanese spider demon. Yeah? Oh, that's... Mm -hmm. uh... It explores a supernatural threat beyond what anyone saw coming. The danger of demonization. What? Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Well, I probably won't, I probably won't read that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just, just giving you an example, like, there's a lot of really interesting books. Or, for example, like, you love that movie that's based on the island of Dr. Moreau, and I'm, I'm going to read that one that's, like, um, like a retelling of it from the daughter's perspective. Yeah, Island of Lost Souls. And, again, Island of Dr. Moreau's been on my list for a long time, and I just never got around to reading it. But it's going to be one day. Maybe you would like the other one better. Well, I'd, 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 I'd still feel wrong if I never read the, the classic one. And that's the thing with you as well. Like I feel like 
you prefer reading more modern stuff. And I forced myself to read Frankenstein so that I could read The Dark Descent of Elizabeth Frankenstein. Yeah, and I've never finished that book. I've tried many times. And the, 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 the retelling one was fantastic. It was totally worth reading the first one for context. But it wasn't <laughs> worth reading. Even for... though it was not a pleasant read. <laughs> The, the one part of Frankenstein that I do, I really like the part in Frankenstein when he's, like, up in, like, the mountains and he's, like, spying on that family and then, like, he makes friends with the blind guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the part of Frankenstein that I really like. And, like, even in the book, like, it's engaging and it's interesting, but the rest of it is just so boring. A lot of boring stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and just the writing style, too. yeah. I usually don't go that far back. I just, even if it's, I know I'm missing out on good books. It's like, I just. And, and then it also makes me feel bad because like, as you know, I just struggle with like older prose. Like, you know, Frankenstein is like such a classic and it's like, <laughs> like, I, you're going to think I'm stupid for saying this, but it feels like it's almost like anti-feminist to dislike it. Uh, be because of Mary Shelley or. Yeah. I don't know. That's stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I well, I know. I know you were. I knew you were gonna say that it's stupid, but like, I don't know. It just feels like wrong to dislike it. Well, I, I, only stupid in the sense that I mean that's. I don't feel like the the style of the book has anything to do with you know the feminist aspect of being her being a woman. That was just more the style of the time. I know. I just mean like. I want to, like, support her because, like, it's really cool that it was a woman who basically, like, invented sci-fi, you know? Mm-hmm. But then, like, to be, like, even though that's really cool, like, the book is super boring. It's, like, it feels kind of, like, shitty. No, I, it's, I mean, that's another one that's, it was just a product of its time, you know? I know. Like, it was written for a completely different audience. I know. So, I, I don't know, it, it just, yeah, that seems... You can, I, I mean, I love the story of Frankenstein. It's made so many great films that I hold so deep dear to my heart. I bet those films were made by men. <laughs> I'm sure they were, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but either, either way, I mean, she, yeah, created a, and, and so many influences. Um, even H.P. Lovecraft was was very distinctly influenced by, by her work there. Mm -hmm. One of my favorite authors. So, I mean, you can't take away, yeah, just a, a groundbreaking piece of work by a woman yeah. or, or not a woman. But especially by a woman. Or maybe not something that would be easy to digest in modern era. Especially a woman. <laughs>